Thank you, man. That's a lot of fun, too. I think we ought to have fun in church, too, and smile, and things make us smile. And that high, that high note was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Amen. I mean, for a bald-headed guy that looks like he could hurt you, that sounded way too feminine to me. I don't know. But anyway, that was great. That was great. Oh, I love it. Matthew chapter 7, if you would, please, in Scripture, just go ahead and turn there. And uh, if you're not there already, and let's just begin reading and This is going to be perfect to lay the foundation for everything else we're going to be doing in the book of Proverbs. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a man which built his house upon a rock. What a statement. What is the rock in this verse? What's the rock? The rock is not Christ in this verse. The rock is not Jesus. The rock is not the word. Look at it now. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a man that builds his house upon a rock. A rock in this verse is someone who hears the word of God and does it. If you hear the word of God and you do the word of God, then you're building your house upon a rock. Verse 25, the rain descends, the floods come, the winds blow, and they beat upon your house, but it falls not because it was founded upon, stay with me now, what was it founded upon? Hearing the word of God and doing it. And doing it. You see, we often leave that part off. And so here's someone who builds their house upon hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. And God says, oh, that's a rock home. That's a solid home. Man, when a home uh, hears the word of God on Sundays and then goes home and practices what they heard on Mondays, strong home, solid home. That's a home that when the winds come and the, and the floods come and the, and, the, and, the, and the rain descends upon that house, that house is strong. It's not just hearing, but it's doing. And, and, and I'm going to liken that to rock. Wow. Good stuff. Look, 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 look at verse 27. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Wow. Wait a minute. Can you see something similar between... The one who doesn't do and who does do what the word says? What do they both do? They both both hear. So that means they're both here this morning. Both of those families are here this morning. This is like a revelation to me. Because sometimes I've got to admit, I wonder, how can people who sit in church and hear the same sermons, go to the same church, experience the same worship, how are there two different results? They're all hearing it. I mean, everybody's hearing these sayings. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's the difference. Everyone's hearing, but not everyone's doing. Everyone's hearing. And so in verse 26 it says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And then the Bible describes the same thing. It says the rains come, the floods come, and the winds blow. By the way, the rains are coming, folks. The floods are coming. The wind is coming. Every home is going to be attacked. Every home. Every home in this building. Every marriage in this building. Every relationship in this building is coming under hurricane weather. 
The tornadoes are coming. No, no, not me. It's going to be a perfect life. Everything's good. I don't, no, no, don't talk about troubles. They're coming, and you know it, and you're experiencing them now. Are you going to tomorrow, or you just came out of one yesterday? I mean, the winds are coming. And here the Bible says this man's house, when the rains come and the floods come and the winds blow and beat upon his house, it falls. And then it adds this to it, church. It says, and great was, and great was the fall of it. So notice quickly the difference between the wise man and the foolish man. The wise home and the foolish home. The wise family and the foolish family. The difference is, is not hearing the word. It's not, it's not that. It, it's, it's doing what you have heard. So back to the message now. Let me, I've laid a foundation. Now let's build on that. Are you ready, church? Here we go. There's two groups of people here today and only two groups of people according to the scriptures and that is this, the world would divide us based upon our occupation. The world would divide us based upon our talent. The world would like to divide us based upon our economic status or our racial diversity. The world would like to divide us, two different types of people, as a result of our social background. But I'm here to tell you, God's word divides us this way, the wise and the foolish. That's it. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about where you're from. It's not about how much money you've got in the bank. It's not about whether you live in a, in, in a nice neighborhood or a not-so-nice neighborhood or the hood or, or Eastgate. Hey, all that's fine and dandy. There's two types of people in this room. It has nothing to do with your economic status, your social status, your racial diversity. It is two distinct things in Scripture, wise, foolish. That's it. Wise people are those who hear the Word of God and do what it says. Foolish people are those who hear the word of God and don't do what it says. You see, there are people who have gone to church for weeks, for months, for years, and they hear the word of God, but, but don't, don't, don't do the word of God. And that, the Bible says, is the height of foolishness. It doesn't get any more foolish than that. To hear God's word, but to not do what it says. And that's what we'd like to do this morning is, is accomplish something by, by understanding as a church family, as we begin to make 2014 for our church the year of the family, as we focus on relationships, as we focus on our children, as parents, as, and, and, and our, on our marriages, as husbands and wives, as we focus on how we can be better church members and faith family members here at Gospel Light, better relationships in our small groups, as we begin to focus on all of that, let's begin with the scripture that describes the two different types of people, foolish people, wise people. Two kinds of choices we can make. We can make wise choices or we can make foolish choices. Wise choices lead to blessing and joy and heaven. I like that, don't you? That, that's kind of that's where I want to be. I want to be in that blessing group, that, that heavenly group, that, that group that has great joy. Foolish choices lead to consequences, misery, and judgment. Now, here's the good news. There are no perfect families. Amen? Look at your neighbor right now and say this. You're not perfect. Amen. And th didn't that feel good? <laughs> Did anybody say, yes, I am? <laughs> there are no perfect families. But can I tell you something? Listen. There are no perfect families, but there are families who are increasingly making better and more wiser decisions. And as they do that, their family becomes stronger. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are foolish families who are increasingly making 
unwise decisions and foolish decisions, and things are getting worse. So the goal of this series in 2014, if you will, the goal of the, of the messages we'll be bringing here at Gospel Light is to make wiser choices most of the time. Because we can't make them all the time. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But if we can make wiser choices most of the time, wiser choices about my marriage, wiser choices about my children, wiser choices about my finances, wiser choices about my attitude, wiser choices about my priorities, if we can do that, then we will have stronger families that when the wind comes and the, and the, and the floods come and the rain descends, our house is built upon a rock. What is the rock? Hearing the word of God and doing it. All right, now before we find uh, this and, and, and before we discover the solution, we have to identify the problem. And by the way, that's the way it is with everything. In fact, before you found uh, the gospel, before you understood the gospel, you had to understand sin. You see, it's the bad news that makes the good news good. Uh, the bad news of sin helps us to understand what redemption is really all about. So let's begin with the problem. In order to do that, let's define the word wisdom. We've done it before in years past. Let's do it again. It's in your notes. Here it is, the definition of wisdom. The ability to choose the best, most God-honoring course of action in any situation. I like that definition. Let me read it to you again as you fill in the blank. The ability to choose the best, most God-honoring course of action in any situation. All right, the definition of foolishness. Are you ready? Here we go. The definition of foolishness is this. You got it there, Ken? The stubborn refusal to do what wisdom dictates. That's simple, isn't it? The stubborn, and by the way, that word stubborn is a very key word in understanding what a foolish person is and why they're foolish. It is the stubborn refusal to do what wisdom dictates because wisdom brings joy. And wisdom brings blessing. So for somebody to refuse joy and refuse blessing, they would have to be stubborn. And so it's the stubborn refusal to do what wisdom dictates. All right, five characteristics of a foolish family. I think we're ready now. Don't you? Here we go. You ready? Number one, all found in Proverbs. The first characteristic of a foolish family is this, careless feet. The foolish family has careless feet. All right, where are we going with this? Proverbs 14, verse 16. Proverbs 14, 16. The Bible says, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but, but a fool rageth and is confident. So stop and just pay attention to that verse on the screen. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. Here's what a wise man does. A wise man sees the evil coming, and when he sees the evil coming, he turns from it. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. But a foolish man is one who never fears until he falls. He's careless. He's reckless. There's no focus in his life. There's no intentionality. There's, there's really no purpose. It's as though, you know, he, he's always on the edge and he, he always pushes it. And, you know, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Yeah, listen, this, it won't happen to me. And, and I can do this and she won't get pregnant. And I can treat people this way. And I've got money and they'll, they'll always be my friend. And, and we keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And yet, finally, we come to the place where we realize that in a moment of foolishness, our lives <laughs> collapse. Because a wise family 
You see, a wise family is one who sees the evil coming and they turn from it. A wise family is one that hears the word of God and does what it says. Proverbs 4, 26. The Bible says, ponder the path of thy feet. What a great verse. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. What does it mean to ponder the path of your feet? It means to ask yourself this question. Where will this road take me? Where will it take me? Oh, hey, buddy, how, so, uh, yeah, I'm getting married. Well, hey, I, where'd you meet her? Oh, on a bus. Huh. Well, did, did, have you met her family yet? No, I hadn't met her family yet. I don't know much about her, but boy, she's beautiful, and we're getting married. So you haven't considered anything. You haven't gotten into counsel. You haven't taken time to, to really find out who she is, and, 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 and is she even saved? You say, Pastor, you mean actually... People base their decisions sometimes on something as shallow as that. They do. They don't ponder the path of their feet. The foolish never ponder that. And the wise always ponder that. Where will this road take me? I've given this example before, but it it, it was such a a life-changing moment for me when I was dating Carol Ann and getting to know her family. And I remember her daddy talking to me about a job opportunity within his company that would have given him a lot more money and he would have he would have been he would have made triple what he was making salary wise and and i remember as he began to share with me why he turned down that job he said i thought about what that would entail i i considered the fact that i i would have to be away from home four or five nights a week and 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 my daughters were involved in cheerleading and and in school plays and and i thought okay if i take this then i'm I'm forfeiting time with my family i'm forfeiting an opportunity to to watch my daughter cheer in high school i'm forfeiting all of the things that they do and he said you know i made my decision based on where that path would have taken me i've never forgotten the wise words of my great father-in-law who's in heaven today ponder the path of thy feet let every choice you make let every place you go let every relationship that you nourish and develop be done with focus and wisdom and intentionality all right so the foolish family has careless feet number two the foolish family secondly the bible says and teaches us has quick fist careless feet and quick fist always in a fight, always involved in strife. You see, fools love to fight. How many of you remember the fights on the playground when you were in school? Remember that? I mean, everything's going good. You know, you've got basketball going over here. You've got kickball going over here. You've got tetherball going over here. And all of a sudden, fight, 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 fight. And everybody runs over to the fight, right? Remember those fights in the playground? I was in one. Yeah. I'll never forget my brother was uh, Brett who was here a couple of weeks ago and, and went to plant a church in, in Las Vegas here. And, and by the way, he's there safely and already working for an established church for a year, and then he'll go out of that church to plant. But my brother, um, my brother was in a, in a fight with a, a young man. I, and, and, you know, it's funny that you remember. I don't remember all the names of my Catholic high school, but I remember this young, man, young, young man's name was Darren Darez. And Darren was big. He was huge. He was massive. He was somebody that really you shouldn't be in any kind of quick fist situation with. I mean, it just, it, this would not be wise. Darren was, 
was the tackle on the football team. You know, he was huge. He was massive. And my brother and I weren't all that big, you know. And Brett somehow got in a, an argument with Darren, and Darren pushed him. And when I saw Darren push Brett, the natural reaction that I had was to get up in Darren's face and push him. And so as soon as he pushed my brother, big brother, one year and 11 months older exactly, March 1st for Brett, April 1st for me, year and 11 months different, I, I walk up to Darren and I take my two hands and I push him in the chest and he doesn't move. I mean, literally. I mean, it, it would have been like pushing Jim Porter. I mean, you know, it's just not wise, you know. And all of a sudden, the next thing I remember was waking up in the nurse's office. No kidding. I mean, I, he put me to sleep. I don't remember a thing. I just had a black eye and a busted lip, and I woke up in the nurse's office. Darren knocked me out. Not a wise decision, all right? But I remember some of those, some of those battles, you know, on, on, on the playground. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, or let me read you Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 6. The scripture says, A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. Does that not describe Erica Pacey's action with Darren right there? I mean, here's a fool. My lips entered into that contention, and my mouth got a stroke for sure. You see, if you were to turn up the microphones in your house, what would we hear? What would we hear coming from the walls of your home? Would it be noise? Would it be relational strife? What does it take to, 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 to set you off? I mean, how easy is it to, to set you off, Dad? How easy is it for you just to sort of go off on, on, on your family? Brothers and sisters, how easy is it for you just, just to get quick-fisted? Let me give you three examples of, of this. Three things that, uh, that set people off. For some people, number one, some people can be set off by ignoring them. That's all it takes. Just ignore them, and boy, that's, that's it. Man, they're, they're quick-fisted. They're ready to fight. They're ready to enter to contention and relational strife. How dare you not talk to me? How dare you ignore me? Secondly, some people can be set off by insulting them. I mean, that's all you've got to do is just say something to them that insults their intelligence or insults them, and that's enough for a fight. You know, you're not going to say that to me, and who do you think you are? And all of a sudden, we're in a fight because we've been insulted. But for some people, they're set off by, by inflicting them. Some people, it's not ignoring them. It's not insulting them. It, it's, it's you've got to do some verbal abuse or maybe even physical abuse. And then that is what sets them off. But you know what? Of all these things that cause strife in the home, I can't help but to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And I hope you're ready for this. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Jesus was reviled and he reviled not. In Isaiah 53 and verse number 7, it says who... Uh, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. From these two scriptures, I find this in the character of Christ. That silence in the face of opposition is what the scripture calls us to. Silence in the face of opposition. 
that we not be quick-fisted, that, that we not be quick to get in an argument and fight with one another. You see, the characteristics of a foolish family is they have quick fist. Moms and dads, are we that way? What does it take to set us off? Is, uh, does all it take is for our children to, to walk into our home, maybe with, you know, having played out in the dirt, they're just a little bit dirty, and, and we see them come in the door, they've had a great time, and, and yes, our floors are going to be a little dirtier, and, and, and yet we, we, we just go off. As opposed to maybe saying, you know what, now's not a good time for me to react that way. I think what I need to do is just, just wait till dinner, and we'll, we'll talk about this. Because right now, I feel angry. And it's probably not going to be a good thing for me to be quick-fisted quick right now. And when I say fisted, I don't mean necessarily that you're going to punch someone, but just you're quick to be angry. Time out. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. Take just a moment. Cool down. And maybe there will be a better time to talk about that. You see, we, we, we oftentimes, we don't talk to the people at church the way that we talk to our families. We need to be careful that, that we talk to our families better than we talk to anyone else with more respect and more love you see who is it we are so harsh with it's the people we love the most isn't it the people we love the most seem to be the people that we are the most harsh with here's a few things that i found that fuel fighting in the house or fuel fighting in the home here's a few things that that make us quick-fisted as i see it number one misunderstanding misunderstandings meaning this we jump to conclusions you know before we ask questions before we you know find out really what is the situation we we jump to conclusions because of misunderstandings and we become quick to be angry secondly write this word down just the word overdone i know this is my my thorn in the flesh when i'm tired when I have spent myself at work, when I've just given everything I've, I've got to the church and to, to the ministry, and sometimes I come home, I'm tired, I've emptied myself of all of my kindness, I've been nice to Cindy all day, I've been nice to everybody, I've answered the phone good, I mean, every, yeah, that's easy, right? I mean, I've been a good boy, and then I come home, and guess what? I'm tired of being nice. <laughs> Give me some food. Why is the table dirty? Honey, I can't believe the, that glory... You, and I do it, and she'll say, honey, what is wrong with you? Why are you, I mean, good night, you just got home. And here's how I left the office. Bye, Cindy, love you, have a great day, see you tomorrow. That was five minutes ago. Overdone. Gentlemen, ladies, don't spend everything you've got and come home and give everybody else the leftovers. Your family deserves better than leftovers. Your wife deserves better treatment than the ladies at work. Your children deserve a better tone in your voice than the children that, that of your friends. We must be careful not to be overdone. That fuels fighting. Number three, write this down. A low deposit withdrawal ratio. Now, in understanding this, it's, it's, it's basically just like understanding the economics of how a bank works the same thing the economics of a relationship are the same way you have to make deposits in your bank before you can make withdrawals make sense that's just common sense right i've got to make a deposit of a certain amount before i can make a withdrawal of a certain amount well you have to make deposits relationally equivalent to your withdrawals you see for a relationship to be healthy you've got it's got to be give and take 
you've got to be willing to give so you can take. And if you're going to take, you've got to be willing to give. You can't take, take, take from your wife and expect that she has an inexhaustible resource of kindness. The only one who has an inexhaustible resource of mercy and kindness and love is Jesus. That's it. Everyone else needs deposits equivalent to the withdrawals. Everyone else. Kids, listen to me, kids. If you're in the building, you can't take, 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 take from your parents and not give. Uh, that's right. Kids, when's the last time you wrote a thank you note? When's the last time you said, Dad, you're awesome. Thanks for the money you gave me for this or for that. Thank you, Dad. You're so incredible. I don't expect it. I know, I know a lot of kids probably do, but not me, Dad. Not me. I don't take it for granted that when I ask for things, you work so hard to give. Thank you, Dad. You know what you've just done, kid? Child, son, daughter, you've deposited something. And it's going to be a whole lot easier to make a withdrawal next time. Sorry, moms and dads. <laughs> you know what's coming, amen, this week. But that's true. Hey, wives, you can't take, 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 take. You've got to give. Hey, husbands, you can't be just a taker. You've got to give. Balance the books of relationships in your house. Balance the books. Be a giver, not just a taker. You see, if you always take and never give, there's strife coming to your home. If you, always, if you always take and never give, there's strife coming to your home. There's an illustration. I'll, uh, let's see here. I'll, uh, Greg, come on up here for just a second. I'll use this illustration. And uh, I need a little more water than that, but that'll work. Okay, it's not, not much, but that'll work. All right. I wanted a little more water. Is there any more water up here? Okay, this will work. Okay, here's the illustration. It's real simple, okay? Let me, you start off with the empty cup. His cup is empty. My cup is not full, but... Somebody probably drank the water. That's what it was. Somebody drank my water. All right. I wanted it to be full, but it'll still work. Just picture this glass full. It does have water in it. And in a relationship, he's empty. I'm, I've got, I'm, I'm full. We'll just say I'm full. And so here I am. I'm going to walk up to Greg. We're friends, okay? And I love Greg, and I want to encourage Greg. So I see Greg come to church today. Greg, it's so good to see you, man. Man, you're such a blessing to me, and you and your wife and family. And Boy, that's a sharp look at time, man. I really appreciate that. You love me too? And I oh man, I appreciate that. You know, your kids are a blessing too, man. I understand they're they go to the public school, they're a good testimony of the football team and, and in school itself. And I just appreciate your wife singing on the worship team today. I know she had to probably come up here Saturday and practice. And, and thanks for letting your wife just be a part of our ministry. Amen. I appreciate your family too. They're a blessing to me and a help. They are an encouragement to all of us. And they're good. Thank you. See how that works? Yeah, brother, I love you, man. <laughs> Just pour water on top of our yeah. <laughs> Thanks, brother. You see how that works? Back and forth. Back. See, by the time I'm empty, I need something. I mean, tell me I look nice, please. I know I'm not asking for it, but I just told you, give me a deposit. Amen. And you say, well, we shouldn't need that. Bless God, you should be strong enough. Well, I'm not. Sorry. I mean, I'm human. I need someone every now and then to tell me, Something nice, especially if I'm giving, I need someone to make a deposit. That's a relationship issue. That's how we keep strife out of our homes. Try it. It's amazing. But if, if, if all you do is take, if, if it's always about you, if it's always about your schedule, what you want for dinner, uh, if it's always about your needs, strife is coming to your home. Tension is going to be in your home. You've got to understand this idea, this concept of a low deposit and withdrawal ratio. Number four, finally, and I'm done. 
this fuels fighting in our homes, and that's my viewpoint. My viewpoint. My viewpoint. Pridefully holding to my viewpoint like it's the only viewpoint. And we can be good at that, especially men who we know how to manipulate. We're, we're good debaters, and, and, and our viewpoint usually ends up being the right viewpoint. Amen? Don't say amen. Whew, just saved a little strife today in your home. How many of you are super organized? You're just organized. I mean, be honest. You'd say, I'm an organized person, Pastor. That's me. Raise your hand if you're organized, all right? I got my hand up. I'm organized. Anybody else? Come on, raise your hand. You're super organized. Amen. All right, good. Um, if Vince's wife was here, oh, <laughs> Diane will be here tonight. Wow. I mean, she is organized. I went in her closet. I was like, dude, this is unbelievable. It's great. I mean, shoes and perfect. Everything was just perfect. You know, I'm, I'm kind of that way. I'm an, I'm an organized person, you know. So what would you call somebody who is not organized? No, they're not. You can't say that's your viewpoint. You see, someone who, who is not as organized as you are, they're just somebody who maybe they're a caring person. And, and, and while you're straightening up the shoes in your closet, they're on the phone trying to help somebody. Amen. Well, that's what my wife tells me. I come home and say, honey, why, why is this stuff on the counter and, 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 and the toys are on the floor? And is there any way? I mean, I just want to come home. I'd like for, I can't believe it. I've been on the phone all day talking to people in your church. It's always my church when she's upset. I mean, literally, literally I drop Glorianne off, and for six hours, I just counsel people and talk. And you're going to tell me you're, and I deserve every bit of that. Every bit of it I deserve. Amen. Because my viewpoint is the house needs to be clean. But what I didn't consider is, wait a minute, it probably would be if she wasn't spending the whole day helping people. And it's clean. But you know what I mean. Because you tell me your favorite examples, and when I tell you how <laughs> my problems, you love it. One of these days, I'm going to give you some time to tell me your problems so I don't feel so bad. Amen. My viewpoint. You see, if it's always about your viewpoint, you're fueling the relational strife in your home. You cannot see everything from your viewpoint. You cannot insist that everyone model your strengths. Can't do that. Let's respect each other's viewpoints. Let's celebrate each other's strengths. Because we all have them. So careless feet, quick fist. Characteristic of a foolish family. Number three, loose lips. Loose lips. The characteristic of a foolish family, number three, is loose lips. And as you study the Bible, or more specifically, the book of Proverbs, the number one most apparent characteristic of a foolish family is, is the things that they say. That's the number one characteristic. You can be humorous, you can be witty, you can be hilarious and not be foolish. The two are not the same. I think we need to have some humor in our homes and, and, and some wittiness, and, and we need to have a little fun, and, and there is a place for that, and I'm all for that. I think a, a, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen? That's Proverbs as well. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about two different things here. Humor is not a bad thing. Loose lips give words that cause pain to other people. Let me give you an illustration. Proverbs 14, 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. 
How much heartache could be extracted from relationships by simply saying nothing? How much heartache? How much hurt? By just simply saying nothing. But yet, the foolish family has loose lips. How often have our lips been used as a tool of the enemy himself to bring conflict in our homes? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. In the multitude of words, though, there wanteth not sin. You see, I guarantee you, the more we say, the more we talk, the more we try to prove our point, the more our lips are loose and we just spout off at the mouth, the more transgression and possible sin and and, and turmoil is going to be in our homes. So you know what we need? We need duct tape sanctification. Now let me show you how it works. John, could you come up here for just a second? I wish Bobby was here. She would love this. No, I'm just kidding. Now duct tape sanctification works like this. It works every time. It's incredible. This thing's incredible, okay? It's this. Now, how you doing, John? <laughs> yeah, boy, I tell you what, it's a good day out there. And John, I tell you, you know, sometimes there's some things, you know, I just, I'd like to talk with you about, just, you know, and I'd really rather you not say anything if you don't mind, but I just want to be able to share this, and I want you to listen. Do you mind listening? Good, I thought you would. And uh, you see, duct tape sanctification works. Husbands, when we listen to our wives... But I tell you, preacher, sometimes they just don't make any sense. I know. I understand. Just listen. Duct tape sanctification. On the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, John. I love you. He said he's glad he saved this morning. I am too. (laughs) I know some of you are glad I shaved the other day, right? All right. I'm all clean shaven. Think about how much more righteous we would be in our homes over the next just 30 days if we applied duct tape sanctification. Listen, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, in the multitude of words that one does not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Now, how awesome is that? In other words, if I just listen, refrain my lips, just, I want to say something, oh, I want to say something so bad. I mean, I know if I could say I'd win this argument, I'd win. It'd be so awesome. Again, I'd win. I'd be 10-0 and 0 this week. But that would be foolish. Loose lips. I heard this sermon. I'm going to do what the Bible says. Loose lips are characteristic of a foolish family. This is a great quote that I found a couple of years ago, and I wrote it down, and, and, and I want to give it to you right now. It's just, it's just powerful. I am the master of my unspoken words and the slave to those that should have remained unsaid. I want you to just think about that in your small groups this week. I am the master of my unspoken words and a slave to those that should have remained unsaid. Proverbs 17, 28, great verse. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. That's incredible. In other words, the Bible says here, even a foolish person looks like a wise person if they just shut up. Here's a foolish person that refrains his lip, lips, and God says, you know, even, even, I know he's a fool, foolish person. I know he's got issues, but you know, the old boy keeps his mouth shut. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Just another great teaching from the book of Proverbs. Let me give you four things that, that, that we should work on not saying. You ready? Number one, avoid extremes. Well, you always... 
Well, you know what? You never. Those are not good. Really? Always? I, I never? Never. Avoid extremes. Why are you laughing, honey? I know why you're laughing. And it's not funny. <laughs> Misses always. Okay. And uh, avoid expletives. These are coarse words, maybe curse words, maybe just words that are naughty words that should not be said to someone you love. Avoid equivocations. This is when someone asks you a direct question and you don't give them a direct answer. You know what I mean? I mean, things like this, you know, uh, hey, can I do this? Well, we'll see. Oh, here's, here's a famous one. Maybe, maybe not. What kind of answer is that? That'd drive a kid crazy. Maybe, maybe not. Some of you guys on the college basketball team, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll tell a guy, you know, hey, Will, go in. And he'll say, for who? And I'll say, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know who I want to take out right now. Just get to the scorer's table. I'll, I'll tell you in just a minute. It frustrates them to, to death. They're like, who do I go in for? I'll think about it. Let me think. I'm still thinking, you know. Got to be careful. Someone asks us a direct question, it can be very frustrating if they don't get a direct answer. Avoid eliminations. There are certain ways that we can say things that just end discussions, like, like ultimatums. Maybe I could have said avoid, alt, avoid ultimatums, but it's eliminations. You know, a son of mine will never... That's an, that, that's an elimination statement. As long as you live here, that'll never happen. That will never be a problem at our house. Do you understand me? Never. Avoid that. Because just wait until God uses your children to surprise you and to humble you. Anybody ever been humbled by their children? I have. Be careful about those kind of statements. The foolish family, number four, has roaming eyes. Roaming eyes. Characteristic number four of a foolish family. This is one who lacks spiritual perception. In Proverbs, and I don't have this for the screen, I don't think, can I? I just found this one this morning. But Proverbs 17, verse 24. I didn't give you that, did I? Didn't think so. Here we go. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding. Here's the principle. You ready? I said that a foolish family has roaming eyes, and here is what the scripture says, that wisdom is before him. The wise person...